From the Political Science Department at UW-Madison, I'm Adam Wigger. I'm Mia Wagner. And I'm Michael Mikowski. In this podcast series, we will speak with UW-Madison faculty members and other experts to hear their thoughts on the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the political and global changes that the situation has warranted. This is 1050 Bascom, COVID-19. As the global pandemic continues to raise questions about the future and stability of the job and internship market, 1050 Bascom is reaching out to successful political science grads to help us navigate these uncertain times. Today, we are extremely excited to interview Angela Maramba, political science Badger alumni and director of the State Board of Relations at the Colorado Department of Education. We'll ask Angela to give us more insight into her role at the Department of Education in Colorado and how students who may be interested in this career path might go about it later in the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Angela. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. I'm so honored to do this and um, give any insight I can to undergrads. Sweet. We can get started really broadly. Do you want to kind of share your story and your education that you got here at the University of Wisconsin and kind of maybe what pushed you to choose political science in particular? Yeah, I, like most students, went to college knowing exactly what I wanted to do. No, that's a complete joke. I came in and I had no real idea what I wanted to do. I originally started in the psych department and took a couple classes there and I was like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work for me. Um, and then I actually pivoted to the J school and took a couple courses in the journalism school. And I was like, oh, this is really exciting. It's so fast paced and realized I'm not the strongest writer. So probably not the best place to put my time and energy. But I realized in that time, what I really enjoyed was all of the courses that kind of intersected with politics. And when you're, you know, evaluating current events and what's happening and what's happening now. And so for me, the next best move was political science. And so once I got there, I realized this was where I wanted to be. And it was such a good feel. And it really spoke to me. It was exciting. There was so much opportunity to learn and also so much, in my opinion, so much to do. And I could kind of direct my career path in any way I wanted to with a political science degree. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe do you want to share kind of how your professional narrative has kind of played out since uh, you graduated and now how you've landed into your current role? I kind of came into political science a little late in the game. And so I quickly try to catch up with my colleagues by getting an internship. So I literally cold called senators, state senators saying, hey, I'm Angela. I'm really interested in what you're doing. Do you have any you know, unpaid internships? I can come learn what's going on in the state capitol. And so from there, I was able to land an internship and all those connections I made while I was interning allowed me to get a job on a campaign right after graduation. And valuable work, valuable life lessons learned, but definitely not where I wanted to take my, my uh, political science degree. And so I was able, again, to use those connections I made in my internship and my campaign to get a job in the building. So when I refer to the building, I refer to the state capitol building. And so I stayed there for about five years. I took, you know, that first scheduler job, which wasn't always glamorous, but I learned a lot about myself and I learned so many valuable lessons that I'm still using today. 
So I stayed um, in the capital for five years and kind of um, kept transitioning up. So able to take a job as, you know, within communications and policy. And then I ended as a research assistant um, to a state representative. And my husband, who is a UW Badger as well, an MBA student um, at the time was graduating and relocating us to Colorado. And so he looked at me and said, hey, we're going. I said, yeah, I'll meet you out there. Um, so I was excited about the change, but you know, in reality, I had spent five years building up this network in Madison. And now I had to kind of rebuild that whole network in Colorado. And I knew nobody. Um, I knew the only people he knew that were going out there from the MBA program. So I used most of my connections in Madison to get connected with the National Conference of State Legislatures. Um, from there, I was able to get a job where I was writing and working on women's and children's health policy. Um, I was there for about six months and I realized this is not where I wanna be. So another pivot in my career, but another learning lesson. I realized sitting behind a desk and writing policy was not something I wanna do for the rest of my life. I need to be with people talking, telling them what's going on. And so um, I started job searching and I found a job with um, the Department of Human Services. And this position was actually the boards and commission liaison for the department. And when I read the job description, there was so much in there. I was like, yeah, I, th I think this works. Um, I mean, it's a good, you know, they're asking for the legislative background and understand state government. Yeah, I have all of that. Um, and it was such an interesting role. It was my first job into administration. and. It was a little bit of a learning lesson, right? Coming from the legislature, when you need something from a state agency, you just call your alleged liaison and they get you what you need. All of a sudden now I'm in it and I'm the one helping kind of facilitate that. And you realize the nitty gritty of all the things that are happening in the agency world. In this position, I oversaw 42 boards and commissions. And so when the legislature creates a board and commission, agencies have to, um, have to enact them and they have to make sure that they're functioning and they're uh, doing all the right things and they're in compliance with all the statutes. And so I worked um, with all 42 boards and commissions. Every one of them had staff and the board, the board chairs. And then I worked with our executive management and the governor's office. And so there was so much coordination um, and I was able to learn a lot of what was happening at the state level. And so when the position I'm currently in opened up, the director for state board relations with CDE, the Department of Education, um, I applied and I was like, there's no way. Like this is way, this is gonna be a huge jump in my career. Um, I felt like I was more in an administrative role and all of a sudden now I'm taking on so much, I'm taking on an office and I'm working for seven elected officials. But now looking at it, it was such a good, fit a next move. It was a good marriage between my legislative background and then all of the work that I had done at a state agency. So I've been able to kind of keep moving and advancing and, um, you know, just keep learning about myself and where I want to be. And I think that's the best part when you're first starting out of college, you can kind of try some things out and really quickly learn if this is the right fit or you can move, you know, keep advancing your career that way. What are some of your favorite parts of your job now? The best part are the days that we get to see students. So working as in state government, you know, I'm not a teacher, I'm not in front of students on a day-to-day -day basis and having that immediate impact. So, um, you know, the board that I oversee 
they get to see students like last year we got to see some students that did um an art competition and so they got to come and you know present on their art and it was so impressive to me and um those are the best days and we also got to recognize the teacher of the year in front of the board and just seeing all of her accomplishments and all the good that you know people are doing out in the community those are the best days can you share maybe what your like typical day looks like pre-March and now post-March? My job is unique in the sense that I work for the Department of Education for the state, but the uh, department actually has seven elected officials that oversee the whole department. So unlike most state agencies, there's no executive director that's actually hired by the governor. The board oversees the whole, um, whole department. So my job is to oversee their office. So I work directly with the commissioner who oversees the whole department um, a lot. I work with the deputy. I work with the executive management team. And it's really, I view it as, you know, I'm the gatekeeper to anything that the board might need. Their job is to make policy decisions. Um, So it's really making sure there's good communication on every end and the board's well informed and the commissioner knows what's going on and things like that. So that's a primary part of my job. Um, you know, typical days can be, I don't think I've had um, a typical day. My day kind of changes every day. Um, some days, you know, we run two-day board meetings every month. So those I know are coming. Um, I can plan for that. I plan for them all month in advance um, and even sometimes before that. So um, that's important to me, making sure that, you know, all of all of the little things that could go wrong or, you know, what might you know, what might change, who needs to be at this, that kind of thing is really played out in my head and played out well um, executed. You know, right now, a lot of my job is making sure that we're, we're thinking ahead. So we have, you know, all these upcoming board meetings in October and November and December, and we have um, an election this year. So I actually have two new board members coming on my board in January. So Right now, a lot of my time is spent thinking through what does that look like? What would a new board member need? Um, who do they need to be meeting with? Do we have an idea of what will be coming before the board? So that's kind of what's consuming a lot of my time currently. Um, and then, you know, with the pandemic, it's been interesting. Uh, there were a lot of decisions that had to be made really quickly that the commissioner made for the, you know, for the board. and. You know, I think there's a lot that the board has needed to be filled in and kept in the loop on. So that's changed quite a bit. And then, you know, my typical day, I have a two-year-old toddler at home. And so I, I've been managing working and watching her with my husband, which has been a blessing and a curse. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's hard. I used to be able to just take the bus and get to work and completely focus on my job. And now, right now, um, I'm up really early and trying to work a couple hours before she gets up. And then we're balancing the morning and working crazy hours during uh, her nap and trying to schedule it all in and then working at night if I need to. So the pandemic's changed a little, you know, definitely changed uh, a lot in everyone's world, but definitely for working parents, it's changed a lot more. (laughs) And you mentioned your work, like writing policy and dealing with governmental relations Um, and a lot of undergrads are really interested in doing this kind of work. Can you share with us some of like your insights or some of your hot takes from 
like working in this policy field or in the governmental relations field? Like what, uh, what might that kind of profession look like for students? When you see government relations on a job description, in my opinion, that kind of says lobbyist, right? So no one's going to ever put out, hey, we're looking for a lobbyist for our state agency or for a corporation. So I think in all reality, government relation jobs are pretty difficult to get right out of college. Um, they're going to want to know that you have the connections already made to the legislature. Um, and so you can kind of advance the legis you know, their legislative agenda. And you're gonna see that still even within a state agency. So state agencies usually have some sort of policy or legislative team, and they're gonna also have to have those connections and legislative relations already built. So my advice to any undergrad would really be to think about getting in the building, you know, getting some sort of internship um, and then hopefully a, a job right out of college. And while you're interning, you can still express a lot of interest. So if you know education is a passion where you wanna be, try to intern with someone that's sitting on that education committee, um, that's advancing an education uh, legislative agenda. And so when you're there, you can say, hey, I know you're doing this, um, can I write, can I research and write a constituent letter for you? Um, can I sit in on the committee hearing? Hey, I see you're touring a school. Can I do that with you? And so you can start understanding what it would really look like and start building your resume with those experiences that are only going to help you kind of like tailor yourself into one area. And if you want to get into government relations for that one area, you're going to be able to talk back on all the experiences you've had. And then on top of that, you're gonna be able to get to know the people that are working in government relations for that area. And then hopefully can make a connection with them and you know, really connect and get to talk about that area and say, I'm interested, this is my passion too. And it's only gonna help later down the road. Yeah, that is awesome advice. And kind of con continuing with this theme or topic of advice for students, uh, do you have any things that you wish someone had told you while you were in college that you would look back and you would say to your younger self now, like, hey, don't join that club, join this club, you know, something like that? I think the biggest thing I would tell someone is you can do anything if you want, if you have drive and determination. I was so driven to get a job in the building. I used family connections. I was reaching out to people. And that's really what helped set me apart. And I remember looking at my dad and getting my first offer and it was $23,000 a year, I think. And I was like, oh my gosh, dad, I can't do this. I need to find something else. Like, what am I doing? And he was like, no, 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 you got to do this. Like, this is a stepping stone into your next chapter. And it's so true. I mean, from there, I was able to just keep on building and keep on doing more um, and keep expanding my resume. And you know, even when I had, I had everything going for me in Madison and I had to pivot everything to Colorado, I had to use that drive, that same drive and determination that got me a job right out of college, right? I had, I had to stretch, like I was, my husband's boss's friend was connected to the dish lobbyist and was like, yep, I'll set you up with a coffee date. And I got a coffee date with this woman, showed up early, it was all professional and 
at the end of it, I was like, do you have anyone else? And she was like, yep, you should meet with this contract lobbyist. So she, you know, really kindly introduced me to someone else who introduced me to someone else who introduced me to someone else. And so unless you, like, you can literally do anything you want if you just have that drive and perseverance and keep trying to tap in um, to what you want to do and, you know, you'll, you'll get where you want to go. I love that advice. That is so awesome. And I, like myself, definitely worry about like leaving Madison. Like I've got all these connections. My whole, my entire network is here in Madison. Um, it's definitely an intimidating thought to pick up all my roots and, you know, go somewhere else where I have no, no network. So that is definitely awesome yeah. advice for students um, that are looking to kind of do something, this, uh, some kind of same thing or might find themselves yeah. in the same situation. Well, just know you can always go home. That's what I kept telling myself. If I leave, I can always come back. That but is awesome advice. Well, you regret not going, going. That is the thing you also have to ask yourself. And I was sitting there. I just graduated. And I mean, I had graduated and been in Madison for five years. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I've been here so long. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to keep planting more roots. I mean, what do you, do you will you regret not living out of state? Um and not having taking that opportunity, right? Yeah, absolutely. Considering your time in the building here in Madison, what advice might you have for students or recent grads even that are looking to kind of move up the ranks in the building, kind of like you did? You know, really making yourself, you know, available. And I always tried to be a kind person. And so walking around saying good morning to people, introducing yourself, um, you know, walk around with some confidence and, you know, try to get to know people, let people know that you're interested in what the work they're doing or where you want to go next and being vocal about where you want your, where your career to go. Like if you want to do political writing, connect with those people, you know, sit in and ask them, Hey, how did you become this press secretary? What did you do? Um, I think the thing with politics is people are very open to grabbing coffee and talking through that and people realize it's such a network and connections game that you almost are expected to do that and so my biggest advice would just be you know keep looking for those opportunities you're going to take that first job being a scheduler and giving people tours and writing constituent letters but think about where you want to go next and how you can keep connecting with someone and moving up I completely agree. Some of the best advice I ever got, and it has definitely helped me get some of the internships and opportunities that I've been able to have, but the best advice I ever got, political advice, was to always say yes to the coffee date. It is always so important. You always say yes, because um, at one point you're asking for the coffee date, but then at another point someone's going to be asking you for it. Um, exactly. And that's just politics. <laughs> yep. Kind of thinking back now about students what advice do you have for students to kind of distinguish themselves from other graduates from other universities around the country? Like some students, you know, really put a lot of time into their really high GPAs or put a lot of time into their multiple degrees. But what have you kind of seen in the industry itself that sets students apart? I don't think I've ever had my GPA on my resume. I don't think I've ever looked for one whenever hiring someone. Um, I think it's pretty rare to be asked that. I think what's going to set you apart more than anyone is like, what did you do to try to get connected to that hiring manager? So if I was hiring for some, a position, 
and someone I knew, even just small, small, like stopped by and said, hey, Adam's great. You should really think about looking at his resume or getting to know him or talking to him. I know he applied for this position. To me, that's setting you apart from someone who's just going to cold apply for a job. If you're going, even if you don't know anyone, I mean, find who's the hiring manager and try to connect with them on LinkedIn. Send them a message. I think utilizing the Wisconsin network, especially when you're going out of state for a job, is so critical. Like, if I got a LinkedIn message or, I mean, as a state employee, my email's, I think, pretty open. But if I got a message randomly saying, hey, I'm a UW graduate and I see you're working in Colorado and I'm really interested in X. I mean, that's so, you're so passionate and you're showing so much um, drive to like, you know, you know, try to get that job. And so to me, that sets you a lot further apart than any other person. So really trying to tap into any network you can is the best advice I could give. What kind of skill sets would you recommend students have as they're graduating and they're making themselves really marketable to industry jobs like this? Like, you know. Uh, do you need stats ex- experience? Do you need a lot of Excel, Google Suite? I've never felt like I needed stats or Excel or anything like that. I think communication and also just being, um, you know, how are you on email? You know, are you really lengthy and uh, do you have proofreading, you know, errors in your email and things like that? And so, like, thinking through that um, and trying to be as professional as possible as you can via email and working on your communication skills, like how are your constituent writing letters? Um, How are your um, phone answering? You know, like little things like that. How are you about thinking through a project? So if I said, hey, I need to get this done and I want it done by this day, are you going to need me to help plan out every single step with you? Or can I give you something you can just kind of run with it on your own? And that due date, you're going to say, I got this. And or you're going to make sure to check in with me. So what are your project management skills? Um, you know, if you're starting the building, usually you're doing the schedule for most um, state representatives or uh, senators. And how are you with that? I mean, can you manage a calendar? Are you asking the right questions? That It might seem silly, but like, who needs to be in it? How long does it need to be? Is this in person? Is this virtual? Is this a phone call? Is there a conference line set up? You know, those those little things that you don't want to then later go back and have to redo it. Um, I think that's going to set you apart, especially when you're trying to go for that entry-level position. How are you navigating communication right now during the pandemic? You know, everything is email, everything is Zoom, everything is virtual. And for a lot of people, that's not necessarily the best form of communication. So how are you navigating uh, communicating efficiently and effectively? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, virtual calls have changed so much. Those first couple of weeks in the pandemic, um, you know, we didn't have video calls at CDE. And then um, it just immediately kind of changed the game where once you can finally see the people you're talking to, it feels like you're making a connection. Um, But then I think it's also where you are in the relationship to who you're communicating with. I have board members that only want to be text or they want email. They want the phone to be picked up and called. So thinking about who you're working with and what's their preferred style and even possibly their age demographic, right? Like, am I going to video call my 
my grandma? Probably not, because that would just, you know, throw her off completely. But maybe a phone call is going to be the best way to do it. And I think don't ever be hesitant to pick up the phone and call someone. But I do think email is probably the quickest. And if you still can't get a response that way, I mean, you can always try calling. We've been asking this to all of our career conversations that we've had here on 1050 Bascom. Um, and it's that, you know, work-life balance has become really tough and really difficult right now, now that a lot of people are working from home, are working in their personal spaces that don't necessarily invite work to happen. How have you been navigating this work-life balance? And I, you've mentioned your family before, so I'm sure it is particularly difficult. Um, so how have you been navigating it? You know, I think I'm really lucky because CBE is really passionate about work-life balance. Um, they're really flexible to working parents and um, everyone is very accommodating to that. And so, you know, I actually made my biggest shift to this position when my daughter was four months old. And I, you know, I was so scared and I didn't know where I was going and what I was going to do. And I was like, did I just walk into something? I'm not going to be able to be a mom and be a director at the same time. And I distinctly remember having a conversation with one of my bosses and just saying like, I have a hard four o'clock deadline that I, or um, stop time. I need to get on the 410 bus to like go home and relieve the nanny. I can do whatever you need on the bus home. I can do whatever you need after, but I just need to be home to relieve the nanny um, and be there for my daughter. And she looked at me and said, Angela, if you don't set those boundaries for yourself, no one's going to ever set them for you. And so once I heard that, it just kind of was very reassuring to realize like, yes, everyone is kind of managed, like regardless of the pandemic or not, every person has such a, a life outside of their job. And it is important to kind of carve out that time. Like what's really going to, you know, you have to set those boundaries for yourself. Um, you know, with the pandemic, it's definitely, um, it's made it harder. It's made it harder. I think it's mostly harder on my husband and I. Our communication skills have uh, had to improve a little bit more. I mean, before we were really used to both getting up and maybe having breakfast together a little bit. And I was like, I'm out the door. I'll see you for dinner. And that was that. And there was maybe texts a couple of times throughout the day if there needed to be. And now all of a sudden it's like Sunday night, sit down and being like, what's your calendar? Are you free from this time to this time? Because I have a major meeting and she cannot be on the phone screaming while, um, or trying to, you know, sing twinkle, 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 little star to all of my, um, all of my coworkers. So you need to take her. Um, so I think it's definitely, it's doable. It's a challenge, but I do think it's just, as long as you can kind of put up those boundaries and realize it's not it's not feasible to work 24 hours a day and you still need to take time off and realize that it's okay to have family time. It's okay to have work time. And um, even if that family time ends, you know, is in nine to five core hours, that's I think the hardest thing people have to let go. And what I've had to let go is, oh God, this doesn't feel right. And I feel guilty being with my daughter at the park for an hour and a half. And but what I've realized is my job still is there that hour and a half later and nothing has majorly happened. Maybe I got a board member phone call and I was able to call him as we walked back home. If not, I called him back an hour and a half later. Nothing happened that, you know, couldn't be resolved then. So, you know, I'm lucky I have some flexibility there. 
but it is, it's definitely a challenging time for working parents. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about or say um, before we wrap up? Yeah, I think the only other thing I would say is, you know, I, being a woman in politics isn't, isn't always something you see. Um, and I just think, you know, even my time in the building, I, I really try to connect with other women that I aspired to be. And I think that, you know, women in politics should not shy away from this, um, this degree and this specialty because there's so much to offer and just realize that you can, you can tap into those women that you want to be, you know, aspire to be, and you can reach out to them on LinkedIn and they're going to probably respond back really quickly because they also want to see you, you know, rise the ranks and achieve what you want to achieve because it is hard to see women in high um, positions and especially in politics. So I don't want women to be discouraged about getting into this field because there's a lot of opportunity for us. Amazing, amazing, incredible advice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Angela. Thank you so much, Adam. For more information regarding the podcast, please visit polisci.wisc.edu and search for 1050 Bascom. For more information on the university's policies and responses to the pandemic, please visit covid19.wisc.edu. You can find more episodes on all streaming platforms. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, and subscribe. Thanks for listening to 1050 Bascom COVID-19. Stay safe and take care of each other.